Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Evening. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Tuesday Night Jaw on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, your host, Jim Smallman, in my slightly less echoey than it used to be kitchen. Still echoey. We have painted, but it's still just paint on the walls and the hard floor. So still a little bit echoey. It's 10.30 on a Thursday evening. Once again this week, time has got ahead of me a little bit. And I've not managed to put the podcast out on Tuesday, but I did promise you lovely people that I would put a podcast out every week. This isn't going to be the biggest episode, but I thought I'd chat to you a little bit about how mad my summer's been, and then do a couple of lists from my book. That's my book, my book, I'm Sorry I Love You, A History of Professional Wrestling, that came out uh, in August, uh, and I'm super proud of. And you guys listening to this podcast are one of the reasons that the book got made in the first place, and it's definitely the reason I put lists in the book. Um, Thank you to everybody who's bought it, really appreciate it. Should you want to buy it, go to jimsmallman.com slash book and there's loads of different links and how you can buy it there. I've had a lot of people ask if they can buy a signed copy, which is hard because basically if you buy the book and you find me at a show, I'll sign the book. Dead easy. Don't have a problem with that whatsoever. Um, It's a bit harder for me to send signed copies out because I don't have a big supply of the books myself. Uh, They're sold by uh, Amazon and by Waterstones and various other booksellers. Um, Book depository if you're outside the UK as well with the people I'd recommend using. Um, So um, I'm speaking to my publisher this week. We're going to try and find a way that I can sign a load of them and one of the booksellers can sell a load of signed copies should anyone want them for Christmas presents and stuff like that. So um, I will be doing that. But thank you if you have picked the book up so far. It's also on Audible and on Kindle, should you not want an actual hardback copy book. Like that one I've just banged on the table. Um, So, um, yeah, thanks for everyone who's bought it. If you are planning on buying it, cheers. If you're going to buy it for someone as a Christmas present, um, awesome. Really, really grateful. Um, uh, And genuinely very happy with the support that the book has got over the course of the the last month or so since it's been out. So cheers, everybody. Um, Some other quick plugs. Uh, There's a progress show this Sunday. It's sold out, soz. Um, But weekend tickets are now on sale for Super Strong Style 16, which is next May. Uh, the first bank holiday weekend of May next year, the Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, it's my favourite weekend of the year. 
I love Super Strong Style 16. We're back at Alexandra Palace again after having a great time there this year. So uh, come along if you can. Weekend tickets are on sale until the 29th of October. Then it will be day tickets only. I think you save a couple of quid by buying a weekend ticket. Uh, But after um, the 29th, if you want to come for the weekend, you just have to buy a single ticket for each three days. Dead easy. Um, but it will be good. We are planning big things. One person has been announced for it thus far. That's Travis Banks, who put himself into it uh, during our show at Wembley Arena. Um, but that means there's 15 other people for us to name. And we're going to come up with some pretty good names. Um, so, yeah, come along, support that. Have a great weekend with a load of wrestling fans. Boom, job done. There'll probably be a live Tuesday night draw as well. Probably, I would imagine. Um, so there's that demand-progress.com for all your progress watching needs Um, do go and watch if you're not already subscribing to Demand Progress and you want to watch something for free then watch the main event from Wembley Arena watch Walter against Tyler Bate in what I think is the best main event in progress history Um, a ridiculously good match between two ridiculously talented human beings Um, so yeah do check that out if you can um, it's a heck of a long match and it's well worth watching for free and point people who've perhaps never heard of progress at it because it's a really good introduction to what we do obviously in front of a bigger crowd than we normally perform in front of but um, yeah it's pretty good so point people at that I think that's it for plugs really um, I don't really do stand up anymore so I don't need to plug any of that um, just this podcast I suppose point people at jimsmormon.com slash tnj uh, don't forget you can now listen on Spotify should that be how you choose to listen to your podcasts uh, obviously we're on iTunes obviously we're on Acast and various other places if you like the podcast rate and review it and recommend it to a friend all that jazz I think that's it that's it for the plugs yes right then so why has Choosing Night Jaw not been around during the summer um, because we were dead busy. We were dead busy on various different fronts. Obviously, progress went to America. Um, and in the spring, we went to America and then Australia. And that was pretty crazy. Um, and then there was a lot of trying to catch up with everything that we needed to do. Um, so by the time we got to the summer, uh, we were then going out to America where we had six progress shows plus a progress show either side of it. And then Wembley to get ready for. And I just kind of ran out of time, especially when I was doing my book publicity as well. Um, so I apologise for not putting podcast outloads. I am now recommitted to doing the podcast more than ever. Um, but, you know, sometimes it might not necessarily be out on a Tuesday. The name Tuesday Night Jaw was a pun on Monday Night Raw anyway. So it doesn't necessarily always have to be out on a Tuesday. Um, I apologise for that. Probably won't always be out on a Tuesday. I'll always try and aim for that, but it won't always be the case. Um, so how was my summer? How was your summer? Was it? Good. Thanks. Um, my summer was great, um, if I'm honest. Um, went to America, did a load of shows, did a show at ECW Arena. That was pretty special. Did a show in Boston, which was great. Did a show in New York, which had one of the best atmospheres that I think I'll ever experience at a progress show. Uh, Le Boom in Queens. Um and featured one of the best tag matches I've ever seen as well between uh, OG, CCK and LAX. And then uh, we did a show in Seattle, which was just mind-meltingly good. <clears throat> Had great matches on it. Crowd was so awesome. People at Defy in Seattle are very, very good promoters. They've got a wonderful fan base there. 
sort of fan base that makes you excited to be around professional wrestling. Um, so super happy to go there. Also fell in love with the Pacific Northwest and would really, really like to live there. Um, uh, so Seattle was great. We then went and did a show in Chicago, which was great fun, and a show in Detroit, which was great fun. Uh, if you've seen it on demand-progress.com, under the watchful eye of Jesus was that show in Detroit. Um, and we just had a great time in America and had chapter shows in the UK before and after that as well, and then did Wembley. So it was pretty busy. Um, some good memories from America. Uh, becoming friends with Brody King. Mentioned that on the podcast last week when he was a guest. If you've not listened to that episode yet, check it out. Um, uh, being on a bus with professional wrestlers who I like, that was just fun. Like uh, People expect tours to be stressful and full of people arguing and stuff like that. Not for us. The, the big stress we had on that tour was Kid Lycos uh, breaking his collarbone. That, that sucked because um, you'll know this because Lycos has been on the podcast a couple of times. I think he's great. I think he's a fantastic wrestler. I think he's a lovely human being. And to see him get hurt really, really, really sucked. Um, and we tried, and our tour manager, James, who was brilliant, we really tried to look after him as best as we could. Um, but he's a trooper. He's like us. Um, he's a good dude. The uh, American healthcare system is baffling uh, and very expensive. Um, but, um, but luckily he got an operation and stuff while he was there. Um, and hopefully he's well on the way to recovery now because uh, I'd like to see him in a progress ring again very soon. I like, I like Lycos a lot. So that part sucked. Um, the fans, wherever he went, were great. Um, just really, really good. Really, really appreciative that we'd come out to see them, which is crazy because we should be grateful to you guys because you bought a ticket. <laughs> You're the reason we're there. Um, but yeah, I just met so many cool people, had so many cool stories. I had a conversation with a, a guy in Chicago who traveled all the way from Minnesota. I had a long conversation with him about AWA and Vern Gagne and things like that. It was just really, really cool. But the coolest thing that happened in America for me, now <clears throat> you may be aware of this, I missed my son's second birthday because I was in America. Last year, he came to America, so I was there with him for his first birthday. That was the day before the infamous Elmcore Center New York show last year. Uh, he didn't come to the show, thankfully. Um, uh, he was tucked up in bed by the time we were doing that show. Um, so I missed his birthday. Uh, but my daughter, by a strange quirk of fate, you know, people are aware will know I have a 15-year-old daughter and, and she doesn't live with me, and she was in New York on holiday with her mother, and on the morning of her birthday, I managed to take her for pancakes and have a lovely, lovely time, which was great. And then we went shopping for a bit. And the day before that, when I arrived in New York, I got there. Jimmy Havoc was already there. And I messaged him and said, hey, shall we hang out? And we went to a video game bar and played video games and then went and had food. And that was lovely. I don't, I don't have much of a social life. <laughs> so, so to occasionally get a bit of a social life was really, really lovely. To hang out with Jimmy, who is one of my oldest friends in wrestling, that was really, really cool. And then to see my daughter, that was really, really nice. Um, uh, so yeah, so that, that was that was a really, really cool start to the American trip. And then we did shows that were cool and good fun. Um, and, you know, the, the talent we had out there with us worked so hard to make sure those shows worked. Always be grateful for, to them for how hard they all worked on it. Um, and then we came home and did more wrestling. Um, of course, the other thing that's been keeping me busy, and, and if you... Um, listen to Flash Morgan Webster's interview with me, you'll probably be aware that I'm around this, uh, as of my colleagues John and Glenn, is, is NXT UK, um, in that um, uh, I have a small part in, in, in that way behind the scenes. 
So um, I'm very excited to see the final results of that being on television, or on the network rather, uh, over the course of uh, the past couple of weeks. Really, really uh, pleased to see the positive response to that. Um, uh, and again, it's like I'm super proud of progress, but I'm also super proud of what NXT UK are doing through being involved with it. So so that's been a really, really cool thing and something that's enabled me to be full-time working in the world of wrestling, which is regular listeners of this podcast will know it's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, so this summer has been a massive turning point in my life, being involved in NXT UK, progress doing really, really, really great things. My book coming out has meant that genuinely my dreams have come true. And sadly, it's meant I've not done the podcast as much, but now hopefully back on the horse. Um, I'll always try and put one out every week, I promise. Um, But, you know, I like to be honest with you guys, I'm a pretty busy dude at the minute. And I know most of you know this, but sometimes it's just nice to actually spell it out to you a little bit, isn't it? So, um, so yeah, so that's basically what's happening. Um, So, uh, let's get to the book and a couple of lists. So I've put some lists in the book, and the reason for that is the list episodes of this podcast are always really popular. You guys love them. Um, But what I thought I'd do is I'd take two of the lists from the book. So spoilers if you've not read the book already, but there's, believe me, there's another 140,000 words for you to read. Don't worry about it. Um, And I thought I'd just explain the lists in the book. There's two lists. The ones I'm going to go with are the list of top 10 managers of all time. The reason I want to go through this one is because I've been talking about it a lot on stage. Um, I don't do much comedy now, but during uh, WXW's Tag Weekend and the day before our Wembley show, I did stand-up. Um, uh, I did my History of Wrestling stand-up show, which is a partner to the book. Um, and I tell a couple of stories about the manager list. So I thought I may as well, it's out there a bit more. I may as well talk about that one. And there's another list I did, which was, um, you got to bear in mind, I wrote this list. I wrote this list. So the, I started writing the book last August. I'd finished writing the book in January, and then I just had to edit it a bit. So I wrote this list that I'm going to do, which is my um, uh, 10 people to watch over the next decade. I wrote that list in sort of turn of the year. So it's interesting to see how people are already doing on that list. So that's why I thought I'd do that one. Um, So that's what we're going to do. So list number one. Uh, This is Jim's top 10 managers. Uh, This is page 171 of... I'm sorry, I love you. History of professional wrestling, published by Headline this year. Proper publisher as well. Ridiculous. So I'm a man with an English degree who never thought he'd write a book. So to be able to write one about the thing I love, oh, you have no idea. Now I'm not going to read this word for word because if you want to listen to me read the entire book, you can on Audible. But believe me, that was three days of me reading every word I'd written and re-edited. <laughs> it was torture for me. People seem to like hearing my voice. God bless you. So anyway, top ten managers, and again. I wrote this list, turn of the year. Things might have changed now. This is just how it's laid out in the book. Okay. Okay. So number 10 is Zelina Vega. Uh, Now, I think Zelina's work, especially with Andrade Cien Almas in NXT, is wonderful. I mean, I'm also biased because I think Almas is one of the best wrestlers walking the face of the earth. And I know a lot of you guys think that as well. So I genuinely... um, I know that when people take the step up from NXT to the main roster, not everybody ends up being a Finn Balor straight away or a Kevin Owens or a Samoa Joe. Not everybody takes that step up, but I think he's already in a solid place. He's already having good matches, and I can still see him as a world champion in the future. He just, to me, is a wonderful, wonderful wrestler. Got tons and tons of charisma whilst not having 
um, the, he speaks English, but not got the, necessarily the greatest grasp of the English language. I just think he's fantastic. Uh, and people forget that Zelina Vega had her own wrestling background in TNA, working as Rosita before uh, she got into NXT and became uh, the manager and, and spokesperson of Andrade. And I think the really cool thing there is, if you think back to how that relationship would have been done 10, 20 years ago, it would have been done in a, in a strange kind of valet, quasi-romantic way. What's really cool about the relationship, certainly in NXT between Zelina and Andrade, was that she was in charge. She was the boss. She was the one who made the decisions. She was the powerful, dominant, intelligent one. And I thought that was a really, really cool thing to be doing. Um, She was the reason he became NXT champion. He went from being a party animal to being dead serious and being NXT champion. And I think that's that's really, really cool. Uh, Number nine uh, is Gato. Um, uh, obviously was a tag team wrestler for quite some time uh, you may remember seeing him on uh, ECW videos that's where I first saw him uh, with their ridiculous flame themed outfits uh, with Jado. Um uh, but obviously he's really important in the world of wrestling because he's New Japan's booker but at the same time he is um, he's very uh, he's very visible on shows as when I wrote this manager of Akada. now obviously Recently, spoilers, there's been a bit of a change and a bit of a turn, uh, which was genuinely shocking because he was, you know, people were so used to seeing him uh, in Okada's side. So um, definitely think he deserves his place as a manager, even though he doesn't really do much. He tends to occasionally get involved, but most of the time it's just delivering hyped up hype man promos at the end of shows. Um, but it's interesting to see what they're doing with the with the, the shifting of stables in New Japan at the minute, um, because it's something I think kind of needed doing. A little bit of a shake up needed to happen. So, um, so yeah, good stuff. Number eight from Ring of Honor is Truth Martini, um, someone who's trained a lot of wrestlers as well as being decent in, in ring himself. Um, I really like the House of Truth gimmick that started in around 2010. I think um, that kind of smug self-serving sort of life coach almost cult leader sort of thing i'm a big fan of that sort of gimmick um and again if you look in terms of success did manage uh ring of honor world champions uh jay lethal roderick strong um and i always i always like something that isn't just a straight manager There's, there's a little bit of a gimmick uh, behind it, and I think that's what Truth Martini had, and um, was was a really clever gimmick for that time. Um, certainly, I wouldn't be averse to seeing something similar to it in in wrestling now either. I think it's something that could always work. You just always have to tweak these things a little bit just to make them a little bit different. Number seven. Uh, more known for managing the Road Warriors slash Legion of Doom and less known for briefly having a wooden puppet. Uh, it's Paul Ellering. Um, I didn't know this until I was researching for the book. He didn't just kind of look after their careers in the ring. He helped them with their careers outside of the ring as well. And a great fact that I found out while researching the book was that um, I found this from reading Road Warrior Animals autobiography. You know Zubas, those ridiculous trousers that nearly every wrestler in the 1980s and 1990s wore, they were invented by the Road Warriors. How cool is that as a fact? It's brilliant. I've got some Zubas. I can't imagine Davey Boy Smith outside of his ring gear not wearing Zubas or the Warlord. They would always wear Zubas. Um, So yeah, also Paul Ellering was, of course, uh, manager of the Authors of Pain until recently and 
was the <clears throat> manager of the slightly less lauded Disciples of Apocalypse um, during the Gang Wars era of WWE in the late 90s. But still a fine manager. Briefly met him at an NXT show once. A uh, lovely guy too. Really, really nice. Lovely. Number six is your friend of mine, Jim Cornette. Here's the thing. I'm never not going to put Jim Cornette in a list of the best managers of all time. He's clearly one of the greatest managers of all time. Um, he's not in the sort of upper echelons of my list. He's not in my top five, not in my top three, not my number one for a couple of reasons. One, he wished death upon me, which I'm kind of is going to make my opinion slightly solid. I mean, it's not going to sully my opinion enough to not put him in the top ten because the man... Um, Clearly knew what he was doing with wrestling for a long time. Great booker, very creative, wonderful manager, did great stuff. He's living a little bit in the past now, um, but I think part of that's his gimmick. And to be fair, hurtful though his words sometimes can be, he's still harmless um, and still has a great legacy in the world of wrestling. So was always going to be in my in, in my top ten, at least. <clears throat> Never going to be in my top five, for personal reasons. <laughs> But was always going to be in my top ten. Um, because, you know, sometimes you've got to attempt to be the bigger man. That's me doing that. Um, uh, also, you know, you've got to give the guy credit. Because not only did he manage and threw, he threw himself into stuff. Literally, you know, his knees were ruined from falling from a scaffold match and stuff like that. So you can't say he didn't want to be involved in it. Sometimes we'll get, through progress, we'll get people messaging us saying, Oh, really? Uh, I really want to be involved in the world of wrestling. But I don't want to ever wrestle because it hurts. But I want to be a manager. Well, you can't be a manager unless you're a trained wrestler, really. You're going to have to take bumps at some point. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's a fine example. Jim Cornette was not a trained wrestler. But, you know, he had to fall from a scaffold and he did. Um, and, you know, poor guy, his knees were never the same. Uh, but no, Jim Cornette, always going to be in his top ten. Just, you know, maybe calm down with the whole hey. That scruffy man should be hung in a car park, Gubbins. Number five, <clears throat> wonderful human being, a man who sent me trainers after holding me hostage. That's Stokely Hathaway. First became aware of, I knew Stokely's name because you don't forget a name like Stokely Hathaway. Um, but in Orlando in 2017, where we were doing progress at WrestleMania with our friends at WWN, he came out to introduce Timothy Thatcher. And just the level of hype he came up with. He was a mixture of being a business manager and a boxing agent and a gospel preacher all in one. Absolutely brilliant at what he did. Uh, I was there for his last match in WWN uh, when he actually wrestled, because people forget he was a pretty decent wrestler as well. Um, I think he's got an acting background too. There's just so much to him. And I believe he's with MLW now. Um, I know a lot of people at MLW, so good luck to Stokely. Um, hopefully, uh, my path will cross with him again soon because he's just a good dude to hang out with. Um, so all the best to Stokely. Fantastic manager. Number four in my top ten managers is Miss Elizabeth. Now, she's high up on the list for managing Randy Savage. And for being slightly different, I think the way she was as a valet, as they were then called, was brilliant in that she always looked like she was on the verge of tears and that instantly made you sympathetic to her and <clears throat> dependent on whether Randy Savage was being nice to her a baby face or being mean to her a heel it created a character dynamic between those two that established Savage's character even more 
And she didn't always do loads, but everything that she did do was memorable. Like most people remember the point where she whipped her skirt off and everyone just stopped and stared. And even though it was still very PG, very 1980s, aimed at kids WWE, it was still a huge moment in the world of wrestling. And the point where she was reunited with uh, with Randy Savage was just like, I remember, that's the first time I think I ever cried at wrestling, was when Randy Savage held the ropes open for her. Oh, so good. So good. And on a related note, number three is Sherry Martell, um, who initially replaced Elizabeth when uh, Randy Savage went from being, because he was heel, then babyface with Hulk Hogan, then the Mega Powers exploded. <clears throat> and after the Mega Powers exploded, Sherry became his manager. And she'd been known as many people, uh, Sensational Sherry, Queen Sherry, Sister Sherry, um, Peggy Sue. That was a, a weird anomaly. Um, but Sherry Martel, great wrestler, really, really good wrestler. There wasn't a lot of women's wrestling in WWF as it was in the 1980s. Um, but the stuff that there was, some of it was really good. The jumping bomb angels, the, um, the glamour girls, they were all really good. Uh, but Sherry was great. Um, and the fact that I think most people are aware, she was obviously no longer with us, but she was hard as nails as well, um, uh, which is a, something you need to be as a manager. It's not just standing around, like I was saying with Jim Cornette before. It's not just standing around and just saying stuff from time to time. You've still got to be able to take a beating every now and again. Um, so, yeah. And also, don't forget, it wasn't just Randy Savage with Sherry. She uh, managed Harlem Heat, which was really, really cool. And she was Shawn Michaels' first manager. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, someone on Twitter, at Jim Smallman, hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw, didn't Sherry originally sing Shawn Michaels' music, or have I gone mad? I'm sure there was a version of Shawn Michaels' music before he sang it that Sherry sang. Let me know, at Jim Smallman. Okay, who's the top two? If you haven't grasped, if you haven't guessed which the top two are, I don't think we can be friends. I think it's really obvious who the top two are, just what order they're in. So, number two is Paul Heyman. Uh, Brock Lesnar's advocate at the minute. Um, but, I mean, he's brilliant at doing that stuff. Like, it, every time he walks out and says, hello, my name is Paul Heyman, people lose their minds. And that's because he's so good at talking. He is just wonderful. Everybody can learn how to talk from watching Paul Heyman. But if you go back and see his stuff in the early 90s in WCW as uh, Paulie Dangerously with the Dangerous Alliance, who are one of my favorite ever stables as well um, in WCW, he was brilliant there. And the, the figurehead role he had in ECW, even though ECW was his company, the role he had in ECW of going out in front of the audience and hyping up everybody was almost half being a character as well. So just still brilliant at what he does now, was brilliant back then, and is someone who just had that gift of being able to talk and has always had it. Um, and someone like me is in awe of someone like that because I've never had that gift. I've had to work really hard at it. So number one, you know number one is, right? Should be easy, this one. Number one is Bobby the Brain Heenan, the best manager of all time. I don't think many people will argue with me. He's the best manager of all time. Um, great wrestler in the 1970s. Was involved in a lot of gory, over-the-top matches. Um, then managed in AWA, managed Nick Bockwinkel to the AWA title, which was a really big deal at the time. Then he went to WWF, 
managed Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3, managed Ric Flair when he won the title uh, pretty much as soon as he came in. Um, and this is a fact, and I'm reading directly from the book. Um, one fan in Chicago in the 1970s took such umbrage to Heenan that he shot at him, missing his targets but injuring several bystanders. Now that's heat. Whew, you're not wrong. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So then, to my other list. This is towards the end of my book. You can hear me turning the pages. Um, and this is my list of wrestlers... And again, when I wrote this at the turn of the year, soon to be huge stars. Um, now, there's loads of people. Don't tweet me going, why wasn't this person on the list? I could have made this list 100 people. I deal with professional wrestlers all the time. And <clears throat> even since writing this book, I've come across people who I know are going to be big stars. Like, I wasn't really familiar with LAX until they worked for us in America. They're going to be massive. They're so talented. They're absolutely out of this world brilliant. Um, I think Jordan Devlin's going to have an absolute breakout year. <coughs> I think that Brody King, bias aside, with him being my best friend, um, I think Brody King's going to be the next great big man in professional wrestling. These are all people who I think uh, are going to do great things. Um, and this will become obvious in a minute because he'd never worked for us when I was writing this book. Bandido is clearly going to be an absolute superstar for the next 10, 20, maybe even 30 years because of the longevity of careers in Mexico. Um, so when I wrote this, um, this was who I had in my mind at the time. And, and you know me, I'll, I'll just, I'll bash a list out and just go, yeah, that's my list. So this were the 10 people I put together when I was writing this list, probably, I want to say in December or January. This is the list I put together. Top 10, soon to be huge stars. These are people who are definitely going to headline a WrestleMania or Wrestle Kingdom or something like that in the future. Um, and I'd be interested to know what your list is. Feel free to write one out, 
screenshot it, tweet it to me, at Jim Smallman, use the hashtag Tuesday Night Jaw, get involved, I'll give you my opinion. Um, always like to see stuff like that. So, this is the list I put together. Again, turn of the year. Things may have changed since, but all ten of these guys are still super talented. Number ten is Flamita. Um, I think it's interesting because I think Flamita and Bandido, now former Progress Tag Team Champions, are a wonderful tag team. The chemistry they have working together is out of this world. Um, You may well have seen the gif of uh, Bandido doing a standing Phoenix splash uh, where Flamita flips him up in the air. They do tons of stuff like that where one will use the other as a weapon. But the reason we used Flamita at Super Strong Style last year was because I'd been watching... Uh, my friend Arnold Furious had been writing uh, uh, his about his adventures watching Japanese wrestling uh, through the years, and he talked about Flamita's work in Dragon Gate. I like Arnold's opinion, so I went and looked up uh, some Flamita matches and straight away was like, oh, this guy's brilliant, because not only can he do all the stuff you expect a luchador to do but he could do strong style stuff because he'd been wrestling in Japan and he was great and he was doing these mad things like these insane muscle busters and standing springboard 450s from the second rope just out of this world stuff and he's become an even better wrestler since then great when he did super strong style he's even better now Um, so got a lot of time for Fumita Um, uh, doing great things in Mexico doing great things now in America and all the indies there has done great things for us um, and obviously still doing great things in Dragon Gate in Japan Um, and as I point out in the book you can sing his name to the tune of Maneater by Hall & Oates thank you to whoever did that at a progress show for the first time you absolute star number nine uh, former guest on this podcast is Joey Janella now sadly Joey is out injured um, for probably a year after tearing his knee to pieces. Um, and again, I pointed out the thing when we were talking about Lycos before, about American healthcare. Um, Joey's doing great things as a, an indie wrestler. Not just as an indie wrestler, but someone who's got great ideas and great creativity. And, you know, you have to look at the shows that he's put together uh, with GCW. Just it, him putting a show together is a draw, which tells you how smart his mind is for wrestling. Um I'm gutted because he's a friend as well. I'm gutted that he's hurt his knee. Um, I pointed this out on Twitter a little while ago. Um, still got a pro wrestling tee store and things like that. If you're looking to buy a wrestling t-shirt, maybe buy a Joey Janela one because he definitely needs help getting his knee surgery sorted and and, and he's got to live off something for the next year or so. So um, if you get a chance, do try and support Joey. He's a really, really good dude. Um, but... Also, inside the ring, when he's back, we'll see this again. He is crazy. <laughs> he does some mad, mad, mad stuff. He is... There's an air of... I think he's he's like a cross between Shawn Michaels and Mick Foley in many ways. And and I've, I've got a lot of time for Joey. And I wish him the speediest of speedy recoveries. Number eight is David Starr. Um, again, former guest on this podcast. Um, uh, I am super honoured that out of David Starr's list of nicknames, I am one of very few people who's allowed an extra nickname in there for him, the Circumcised Saviour, which I put in. Um, I like David a lot. Spends a lot of time in the UK, uh, which means we've seen a lot of him, <clears throat> and I hope to see a lot of him in the future as well. I think he's fantastically talented. Really, really good storyteller. One of the matches I've enjoyed the most this year 
um, outside of uh, progress shows was going to WXW and seeing his hair versus hair match with Jörn Simmons, who's someone else I really like, um, during the Tag League weekend, the one day I was there. That match was special. Um, and again, it's down to the storytelling of both of them as well as their in-ring ability. So got a lot of time for him. Um, and uh, I love the fact that his focus in his career seems to be the UK and Germany. So all the best for us guys over here being able to enjoy having David around. Number seven. Again, this is an injury story. When I put this list together at the start of the year, um, someone I'm a big fan of is Hiromu Takahashi. Um, obviously had uh, the terrible neck injury and I, I, I'm not entirely sure um, what his injury status is. I hope we will see him again in the ring because an absolutely wonderful wrestler. And I know that when his injury happened, there's always people who will be naysayers that don't like WWE products and there'll be people who are naysayers and don't like New Japan products. I'm a wrestling fan. I like all wrestling. Um, I can see... I can see the good and bad and stuff, but as a rule, this podcast is positive. I'm a positive human being. I just like watching wrestling. I think it was interesting that when he got hurt, a lot of people decided to say, well, he got hurt because it was New Japan and that. No, people get hurt all the time. Wrestling is difficult and physical and violent and people will always get hurt. And I, I hate seeing people get hurt and having seen how Hiromu got hurt in, in his match. Um, it's horrible because just the thought of hurting, hurting your neck in that way just sucks. Um, but let's hope he has a speedy recovery. Um, fingers crossed we see him in the ring again. He's clearly a tough dude, as everybody who steps inside a wrestling ring is. So fingers crossed we'll see Hiromu again very, very soon. And he will carry on going on to huge, huge things because I think he's not just someone who's good at wrestling. He's got a personality that makes him stick out massively like Naito has so uh, he, he's on that sort of level if he can stay fit once he's back again um, the sky's the limit for him number six another former Tuesday night your guest uh, is Travis Banks um, I know on the screen at Progress me and Travis have an unusual relationship um, uh, in that there's often one person trying to force the other one to shake the other one's hand but I will say this about Travis he has worked his socks off to get to where he's got now. Absolutely worked his backside off. You know, we pointed out in the podcast before, dude used to live in a train carriage. You know, he's travelled across the world to follow his dream. He is now, I know he's had an injury problem recently, but he is now, you know, out there making a name for himself. And, you know, from someone who comes from New Zealand, which is as far away, having been there, as far away as it's humanly possible to be from anywhere else, he has done wonderful, wonderful things. Um, and, you know, outside of his dickhead persona in progress, I will say this, he's a smashing lad and that's the one I like having around. So Trav is uh, fantastic. Sad that he missed out on Bowler this year because of his injury. Um, but obviously someone who's signed to NXT UK, someone who's done great things in progress, had the record for the most successful title defences as progress world champion, um, head trainer at Fight Club Pro, again, someone who the sky's the limit for. And <clears throat> I can see just really, really making his name for himself all across the world going forward. Number five is Tyler Bate. I met Tyler when he was 17. 
When I first met Tyler, he couldn't make eye contact with me because he was a 17-year-old kid. And he's gone from that to the quasi-Conor McGregor that he is now. Um, and he's also a smashing human being. He's lovely. But he's a wonderful, wonderful wrestler. See his match with Pete Dunne in Chicago at TakeOver uh, last year. See his match with Walter at Wembley Arena this year. Um, and he's, what, 22, I think? I mean, how good is he going to be? He's brilliant now. He's already one of the best in the world. How good is he going to be when he's 25? How good is he going to be when he's 30? He's going to be unbelievably great. Um, what I also really love about him is he's got the big, strong boy persona. And, and in times past, people would have looked at someone like Tyler, who's not the tallest, and gone, nope. And what he's done is he's worked hard and looks amazing. He's looked amazing since he was a kid. It's ridiculous. Like, I'd never seen a 17-year-old who looked like him. When I was 17, I was pale from not ever going out and just basically playing video games all the time. <coughs> For him to have been as focused as he has been on wrestling, be as good as he was at 17, as good as he was at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. That's some dedication. Um, and he he is... He, by the time he's 25, he's going to be so good, it's frightening. Um, and again, attitude is key. His attitude is the best. So, you know, uh, I think Tyler's wonderful. Number four. Speaking of Tyler Bate, wrestling at Wembley Arena, who did he wrestle? He wrestled the Progress... World Champion Volta. Um, always typed in capitals, like progress. Um, the it, Walter's the best big man in wrestling right now, for me. I think he is tremendous. I think the fact that he has got over... He doesn't do loads in the ring, doesn't need to. Does a sleeper and a cool dropkick and a powerbomb and a, a power driver and some chops. But doesn't need to do loads. But everything he does is believable. Everything he does has a purpose. There's no wasted motion with him. Um, everything has the right amount of psychology behind it. Um, his match with Timothy Thatcher this year at Progress is one of my favourite matches of all time. And I think the fact that Volta, who we've known at Progress for the last couple of years, is really, really good. And everyone in WXW is known for probably the last five or six years. I think everyone globally, thanks to him being uh, PWG champion until recently, like everyone globally has got to know how good Volta is. Um, and again, I say this a lot. He's someone that you would always want in your locker room. He is a joy to have around. He knows tons about wrestling because he's been involved in the running of WXW for quite some time. And he's you need someone matter-of-fact and blunt like him because it's the Austrian way to just go, no, I do not like this. Why not do it like this? And you're like, yeah, the man's a genius. So, um, yeah, I think Walter, um, it, when I wrote this at the start of the year, I already thought he was going on to big things. I think now that's definitely been underlined um, by the, the, the sheer hot streak he's had over the last few months. Into my top three. Number three, when I wrote this, was not signed to WWE, uh, was not signed to NXT, was not at the Performance Center, and that is Matt Riddle. Uh, a man who had a professional MMA record of eight wins, three losses, and two no contests. And let's not forget those two no contests were for testing positive for marijuana. And I think I've said this on stage before, but if you can win a cage fight when you're stoned, you can have those two wins, good sir. Um, <laughs> but... I mean, I, Matt Riddle was recommended to me by William Regal, um, and he'd seen Riddle wrestle uh, Cassius Ono 
when he was uh, in between his first and second NXT runs. So he's back being Chris Hero on the Indies. And I think Regal saw him wrestle at Evolve and thought the match was out of this world and exactly the sort of thing that I like and we would want to put on a progress show. He recommended him to me. We took a look at him, loved him from day one. The first time he walked out of a progress show, um, there's only been two times I've looked at a wrestler coming out of the entranceway at the Electric Ballroom and thought, oh, that's an absolute superstar right there. Like, there is no question that person is going to go on to to main event of WrestleMania. The last person before Matt Riddle was Finn Balor. And it just just looks like he's been chiseled out of granite. Um, And... He's a great dude. And as this has been put, has been pointed out on this podcast before, and I forget by who, I think it may have been Pip, um, is both Bill and Ted in one human being. Um, he is phenomenal. And, and I'd written in the book, um, I'm sure at some point he'll be in WWE. And lo and behold, now he is. Um, it was an honour for us to have his last uh, independent match at Progress. Um, at Wembley Arena as well really really cool that uh, he was down for doing that really really cool that WWE allowed him to do it as well so um, very very grateful for that so my top two and let's be honest both of them are already megastars they're just going to be even bigger number two uh, is Will Ospreay Will uh, I've known Will since he was 18 Uh, Will is a wonderful human being and a wonderful wrestler he's the best high flying wrestler in the world full stop no one's better than him um <clears throat> he is sadly out injured at the moment so i think he broke his rib um which sucks for him um but hopefully the rest will do him good because as a friend of his i worry about him um but he, he's so dedicated and so hard working and to go from the the shy kid at the age of 18 who did a lot of flips but didn't necessarily fill in all the gaps in between to the wrestler he is now which is a bona fide main eventer wherever he goes, someone who gets the psychology, someone who doesn't always need to do the high-flying stuff, someone who all of his strikes look great, someone who, you know, originally couldn't talk, he's now one of the best talkers in the business. Um, I couldn't be happier for Will. Uh, And I know that Will loves wrestling in Japan and that's the thing he wants to do. Good for him because he is, he's fantastic. As long as he's happy, as a friend of his, I'll be happy. Um, But, what a talent and you know hopefully he comes back from this little slight injury uh stronger and, and, and better than ever um because again the, the sky no pun intended uh is the limit for the aerial assassin who's number one then who's your number one i'll tell you who mine is it's quite an easy one um because i think legit he's the best wrestler in the world uh and that's pete dunn um, he's 24 and he is astonishingly good. The first time we used Pete in progress, he wrestled Flash Morgan Webster in the Natural Progression series. And between him and Flash, they did every move in the world. And we knew he was good, but we didn't quite get it. And then we had people recommend him to us when we started using him again a couple of years ago. We three years ago now. And he was just you know when it just clicks with someone it had just clicked with him and everything he did was brilliant and that was then he's even better than that now and not only is he wonderful and not only was he in you know one of the best matches I've ever seen uh, which is uh, him and Tyler from Chicago's takeover last year but 
the time he has for everybody on a progress show. So not only is he going out and having... There's no such thing as a half-arsed Pete Dunn match. Every match he has is great. Even if you tell him to take it easy, he's going to go out and, and absolutely kill it every single time. He gets it. Everything he does is brilliant. Um, and and there's, it's like he's half Ring of Honor era Brian Danielson and he's half William Regal and he's just like... Everything he does is wonderful. Um, but also he... If he's backstage at our shows, he's got time for feedback for everybody. You know, he'll go out and seek people out and say, hey, I like what you did here, but how about you improve this? And just everything about him screams, let's make wrestling better. Um, You know, we're very lucky that we've still got him in this country at the minute. Um, And, you know, long may we have him, fingers crossed, because I love having him on progress shows. But he is, he's next level brilliant. He, he is absolutely out of this world, and I, and I don't think, you know, I, I could have chosen, I could have chosen more obscure people to be on this list. But I think, in the grand scheme of things, as British people, we love Pete because Pete's the WWE UK champion. He was Progress champion for a long time, and he's been champion in various other promotions. And you know, he's the biggest draw in this country now. But um, that's for us as British independent wrestling fans, the mainstream audience. Not everybody's as aware of him yet. Um, and that's the point of this list. These are people who, you know, uh, average people know who Chris Jericho is, know who Roman Reigns is, know who um, uh, Steve Austin is, etc. This is what I'm saying. The 10 guys on this list, we know who they are, but who's really going to break out and be massive over the course of the next decade? And I think all 10 of these guys are. I know a lot of them already are massive. Pete and Will in particular definitely are. Um, but I still think... There's so many more places these guys can go and so many more heights these guys can reach. And it's all quite exciting, really, isn't it? The future of wrestling is very, very positive. I, um, for someone who's loved wrestling for 36 of my 40 years, um, I've never felt more positive about it as a fan as I do now. I know I work in it, but as a fan, there's so much cool stuff to see. Um, And there's so many, you know, so many more up-and-coming people to get excited about every single year. So, you know. Super cool stuff. I did mention just then, just one little note, um, and that's about um, Roman Reigns. Now, we've talked a lot about in this podcast about... Uh, I get really angry when people chant, you can't wrestle at Roman Reigns, and, and people give Roman Reigns grief um, for not being their cup of tea. Um, what I thought was wonderful was how so many people, even people who aren't Roman Reigns fans, when he went out and did his speech at Raw the other day and talked about having leukemia and having to battle that the amount of people who who sent out nice messages and the amount of people who said you know even if you said he's not my cup of tea but you know that's some speech and that's something to have dealt with like I already rated Roman Reigns I had no idea like pretty much the rest of the world I had no idea he'd beaten leukemia once and I tweeted this the other day at 22 years old, if I knew I had leukemia, not only would I struggle to fight it, I'd roll over and pretty much let it beat me because that's the sort of person I am. I, I wouldn't have had the mental toughness to deal with that, let alone beat it, and then go into something as hard as wrestling with the knowledge that you've got to be at least good at it because it's your family business. I think when you know that and you know that backstory, like his story is genuinely inspiring, and hopefully there's going to be a comeback from this and he's going to beat it and his comeback from it is going to be hugely inspiring. And that's going to be a point where I think even the most cynical person <clears throat> who 
has decided that like the guy I've spoke about this on the podcast before the guy who sat near us at Wrestlemania this year who just I think booed Roman Reigns because he'd read on the internet that's what he's meant to do he'd not made his own mind up um, and I think now that you know fingers crossed he beats it and comes back I think the response and the goodwill that guy's going to get um, and just from us knowing a little bit behind the curtain more than we knew about him before is is going to be astonishing. Um, I recommend if you if you can to I think Alistair Black may well have tweeted it, but it was definitely on Alistair Black's Facebook. Um, he put up a post about how Roman Reigns treated him when he first started doing main roster house shows last year, and it's a really really lovely story. Um, so I recommend you have a look at that. I'm not going to ruin it for for, for people, but um, but go and look that up. Uh, check Alistair Black out. I'm sure he's put it up on Twitter, on Instagram, or something like that. Anyway, there's some lists. Um, <coughs> excuse me once again if you would uh, like to buy my book please do uh, jimsmormon.com slash book just search for my name on Amazon Waterstones wherever it comes up now um, I'd be really grateful if you bought it again if you want a signed copy of it either buy one find me at a show I'll sign it or hang tight or try and find a way of us selling some signed copies I just need to speak to my publisher about that uh, progresswrestling.com demand-progress.com for all your progress related stuff that's really cool uh, do please continue to support that uh, obviously um, admitted I'm kind of a little bit involved with it so uh, NXT UK uh, every Wednesday 8 o'clock UK time 3pm Eastern Standard Time in the United States of America um, do check that out uh, and support everybody on that because as a rule it's people you kind of know from British wrestling already uh, and those guys have all got a big chance so support those guys um, and uh, everything uh, on the Distraction Pieces Network because I mean you listen to this podcast uh, but you know obviously listen to all the other podcasts because they're all super sweet and thanks for listening guys sorry it's only a mini one this week um, I'm going to try and get a good guest lined up for next week um, but yeah, cheers for listening, and I will speak to you next week. Ta-ra! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.